Lord God, we thank you for the scriptures you've given us. We, we thank you for your son, who is the word. And uh, we pray we could learn from it this morning. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts so that we could hear it and receive it and, and apply it in our lives. Lord, we, we thank you for the time we have and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to start with that. That's just a blast from the past. Good, good old favorite song, Psalm 8. Uh, kind of get the juices flowing. Uh, I'm not the teacher of Pastor Mark or Jason, or John. I haven't been through seminary, so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to seem a little scattered and hectic. But I'll try to cover what this material is best I can. Uh, <clears throat> last week, John was teaching about Moses. And he ended up with the nine... Uh, points of Moses was a type of Christ. Okay? And we're looking forward to a greater exodus. We'll have a greater rest. It's one of the points. Our hope is in a greater Israel. You know, we had the nation of Israel. We, we look at that and we say, well, boy, they blew it. And, and yet, we're looking forward to a new Israel and a greater Israel. Uh, we look for a greater prophet. We look for the return of Christ and, and uh, more to come, the second coming. Uh, we're looking forward to a greater law. The law was given to Moses, Mount Sinai, and again, the, the people blew it. Uh, we're looking for a greater mediator. Our mediator now is in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God, and he mediates for us. We're, uh, seventh, we're looking for a greater tabernacle, uh, house to live in. Christ said, you know, I go to prepare you a place. Uh, we shine with a greater glory. You know, right now we have bodies that are bound in sin. And it's, it's hard for us to get past that, to conquer that. Even though we know Christ is stronger than anything in this world. But we don't, we're not there yet. We'll be glorified. And we sing a greater song. In Revelation, there's a new song we, we sing. But those were some of the points. Now, in backing up even further, uh, there were some covenants given, it, given to Israel. Okay? You had the Noahic covenant. You had the uh, Abrahamic covenant. And the Mosaic covenant. All right? And we'll review those a little more in detail in a second. Uh, but those covenants were given, and who was it just walked up here and we were talking about it? Uh, God gave them unilaterally. God made promises, and there's very little man had to do, but it did include man. We did have to be involved in it, you know, to obey His covenants. That was one of the things that uh, uh, He asked or He demanded of us. Uh, you know, but they were given by God to sinful man. We were, we were not holy and righteous, and that's why God did it. So, wow, these are some great folks here. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to make a covenant with them. You know, the, the kings of the earth made covenants with each other, maybe not to go to war, and maybe not to fight with each other. Uh, you know, let's, let's create a peace. God gave them unilaterally just because He loved us. And he chose us, and or chose the Israelites. Uh, 
as his people. And uh, yet there is a response on our part. So, uh, all right, let's, let's review those covenants real quick. The Noahic covenant is to all humanity. It's to all living creatures. And it, it's found in, in Genesis 6. Uh, you don't necessarily need to turn there, but it's basically so that the world would never be flooded again. God had been disappointed with his creation, and there was a point he thought, I'm going to do away with it. But he found Noah righteous. And so Noah, his wife, and three sons and their wives, he asked them to build an ark. Noah spent over 100 years building this ark, and God saved him from this flood that wiped out all life on earth. Okay? And the sign of the covenant is a rainbow, right? And I'm, I'm doing a circle because if you ever get up in, a, in, a, in an airplane and there's a rainbow ahead of you, it's circular. Now, if we're on ground here, we only see part of it. We only see, you know, we don't see the whole thing. It's, they're beautiful. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant, okay? This is a covenant given to Abraham and his seed or offspring, and it's actually in, in three parts. It's, it's given to him for his natural-born son, Isaac, and it's given to him for adopted sons. So there are many from, you know, I don't believe I have any uh, direct relation to Abraham. I think I'm a Gentile, Gentile stock. Uh, but yet, I can be adopted into his family. Okay? Uh, in the Abrahamic covenant, this is found Genesis of 12. Verses 1 through 3, if, if you like scripture. Make Abraham a great nation. Make his name great, so he'll be a blessing to all nations. In fact, I will just turn there and read it directly, because if I don't, I'm going to misquote it. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I'll show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that would include me and maybe a lot of you. Some of you may come from Jewish stock. I don't know. Uh, okay, second part of the Abrahamic covenant was to give Abraham's descendants the land from the river of Egypt to the Euphrates, and that's found in uh, Genesis 15. Uh, let me quote that for you. This starts at verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, and he also changed his name. I think it's in the, the next part of the covenant, uh, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And he named uh, ten nations of people that God was going to wipe out. They lived there, but he said, well, we're going to dispossess them of that land, and we're going to let you have it. And actually, that's never happened. Israel never made it to dispossess the land the way they should have. Okay? Uh, and the third part of the Abrahamic covenant was to make Abram, Abraham the father of many nations. That's found... In Genesis 17, 
Okay, and uh, we could start at verse 1 there. Uh, well, actually, let, let me look here. Uh, let's start at verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Was Abram blameless at that point in time? No. And we, you know, like us. Uh, verse 4, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Skipping down to verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. The people of those nations worship many false gods. And God was revealing himself to Abram and said, I'm going to be your God and, and, your, and your offspring. Okay? So in verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. This will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. In verse 13, both he, is, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. And the circumcision was a sign, you know, and, and uh, cutting a covenant was, was the term. You remember Abram, and I believe the second part of this, uh, the, God's given him the land. And he says, take a heifer, take a goat, take whatever, and, and cut them in half. And then Abraham, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and God walked between them, and a, a, a torch appeared, and it burned them up. But it was the cutting of those animals that made the covenant. And that was the practice of, of people in that, uh, in, in that day. Uh, that represented the covenant, just like circumcision is a cutting of the foreskin. And that represents the covenant that the people had with God. If, if you believe God, you circumcised your son when he was born. So you, you remember Moses got in trouble for that because he failed to do that at one point. All right. Uh, okay. Now, the, the Mosaic covenant, God made with Moses and the Israelite people at Mount Sinai. That's when the law was given. Exodus 19 through chapters 19 through 24, and he promised to make the people, the Israelites, his treasured possession. It's somewhat a repeat of the Abrahamic covenant. You know, God wanted them to be uh, his people. That's what he told Abraham, and yet he repeated the same thing or close to Moses. Uh, he wanted to make the Israelites his treasured possession in a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now, it's interesting when you look at individual words. You know, uh, I've, I've seen this translated, you shall be to me kings and priests, because that word can be translated in different ways. You somewhat have to pull the 
context of it. And the more I read, the more I feel like it's, it's a uh, kingdom. Now, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd stop here and just warn all of you. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I said I've never been through seminary. I, I try to study the Word of God and get the, the true meaning of it. I am fallible. There's a verse, Acts 17, 11, you know, the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians and that they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. Paul was preaching to them. They looked it up themselves. And I encourage each one of you to do the same thing. Uh, don't take my word for it. Get out your Bible and, and look at this. Uh, <clears throat> it, it'll bless you, even if you disagree with me. So... Okay, we're, we're going to go on today, and we're going to look at the Davidic Covenant. And the Davidic Covenant, it, it, it's a focusing on God's promises from Genesis 3, where the seed of the woman will squash the head of the serpent. It's, it's the focusing on how that's going to happen. And he picks David, the King David, to be in that focus and establishes with David and his descendants that a, a son would come from him. He would, he would never fail to have a ruler. We're going to get to that in just a minute. And so I, well, let's just turn. Let's just go ahead and go there. Uh, that would be Second uh, Samuel the, chapter 7. And so if you would just go ahead and turn to that chapter, because this is the important chapter. I'm a little bit out of order for how the book is presenting this. And I'm going to go back and pick up the pieces in a little bit. Uh, I hope if I have time, if I don't have time, this is the crux of it right here. And I felt like we need to nail this one before we go on to anything else. So Second uh, Samuel chapter 7. And I'm, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. The whole thing is, is critical here. Now, when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest, <clears throat> excuse me, by the way, David is king. David is, is in Jerusalem. He built himself a house. And uh, now it's, he has a thought of a dream, whatever about, you know, I'm living in this nice house, but there's no house for God. You know, he's in a tent over here. We just moved his uh, tabernacle to box with the Ten Commandments in it. We just moved it, and it's in a tent over here. That's not right. So David had some good thoughts about this. And uh, anyway, that's the point we are. Now, when the king, this is back to verse 1. Now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought the people up out of Israel from Egypt to this day. But I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, 
that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off your enemies from before you and will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I'll appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house, you being David. When your days are fulfilled, you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body and will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Wow, what a promise. And so, David go throw a party? Did David, what did David do? We're, we're going to examine David and we're going to examine Solomon, actually Saul too, for, you know, if we don't run out, run out of time. Okay, let's keep on with verse 18. Here's David's response. Then David, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind. O Lord God, and what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. O Lord God, confirm forever the word you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house and do as you have spoken and your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant, now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you are Lord God. For you, O Lord God, have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be, be blessed forever. 
wow. That was some response. And what was it? It was a response of belief. It was a response of faith. You know, somebody may say, oh, you'll, you'll get a new car next week. You know, car dealership. I'll pay you your paycheck next week. Can you believe them? Maybe, maybe not. Here's a situation where David believed God. And as it says, let's, uh, let's real quick turn to uh, Hebrews. There wasn't a lot of tie-in with the New Testament in this chapter, and so I kind of felt like, oh, we need to get there somehow. Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Here God has promised David to bless his house and to establish his house, to make his name great. And David believed it. So we have the word of God. And the question I have, do we believe it? Do I believe it? I, when I'm reading, I have to say, well, hmm, you know. Uh, verse 6, Hebrews 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And I, I think of Christ, uh, I believe it's 16, 15, 16, 17 in John. He says, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. God has prepared a place for us, but we have to believe. We have to know the scripture. We have to believe it. Okay, uh, And then, uh, I like Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. You know, the whole of chapter 11 is the, the faithful, and it, it's a recalling of all the faithful fathers of uh, Israel. And then Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, Jesus went through many things as, as David did. He went through some of the suffering. He went through the rejection. And let's, let's, let's go ahead and kind of look at that. Keep in mind this covenant and David's response to this covenant. This is the crux of it right here. This is, you know, I love the story of David and Goliath. You know, there's a lot of stories. And, you know, we're taught them as children. They're colorful. You know, you're taught many things. And yet this one didn't really jump out to me until this book showed it. Now, I knew God had made David a covenant. You know, the Davidic covenant, you know, I'd heard of that and kind of studied it. I did not realize the response that David had made. And that's significant here. That's the key to, to David. Why God blessed him is, is David knew his response. Now, was David perfect? Was David righteous? What happened after this? You know, if you keep reading, 
That's, this is before the story of David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba. This is, uh, <clears throat> he's, he's king. This is before the story of Absalom, Amnon. Uh, okay, one of the questions you might ask yourself, uh, what's the difference between David and Solomon? We're dealing with a period of time that Israel had a unified kingdom. The, the tribes of Israel were all together and one king was ruling over them, King David. That continued into Solomon's reign. Some of the things you've heard about Solomon, his knowledge, his, his wisdom, his wealth. Anything else? Can you name anything? Did David, or, or did Solomon talk with God? Yes, he did, believe it or not. You know, that's where he got his wisdom. He asked for wisdom. Uh, visions were answered. Did, did Solomon, did God ever answer Solomon with fire from heaven? Like Elijah? You know, he didn't build a fire and put the, the bull on it or whatever. But Second Chronicles 7 <clears throat> talks about how God came down and, and entered the temple as it was dedicated after Solomon's prayer. And they, they were sacrificing bulls and sheep and, and goats, whatever. But, you know, David too, as a matter of fact. First Chronicles 21, 26, if you look it up. Uh, David was answered by God. But, but as a comparison between David and Solomon, who was richer? You know, Solomon had the riches. Who, who was wiser? Solomon, that's in Chronicles uh, chapter 1. Uh, you, you know, if you start at about verse 12 and go to about verse 17, you'll see it. Uh, what's the difference? What's the difference? Solomon wrote some psalms, some music. David did. Oh, uh, military. Uh, military commander. Who is better there? <laughs> David or Solomon? David in a time of war. Solomon, though, organized the whole country in a time of peace. He set the outpost to protect it, and it went protected for many years, 40 years, I believe. But why does David pervade the Scriptures in the Old and New Testament? And Solomon, we hear about him a little bit. You know, the wisdom of Solomon, we, you know, you got Proverbs. Why does David pervade the Scriptures? And Solomon, you know, if you think about it, <clears throat> uh, Matthew six twenty nine. Let me let me just turn there and go quote that quickly, because I hate to misquote things. Sermon on the Mount. Christ is talking. Oops, Christ is talking about. Uh, uh, don't be anxious. Matthew 6, 29. Uh, let's go to 28. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they, they neither, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Well, now King Solomon marched him out in gold. They said silver was so plentiful, it was, you know, they, nobody considered silver and Jerusalem during his reign. 
gold was abundant. But Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, arrayed like one of these. And, and yet, if, if you read about David, as Christ is walking through the towns, they cry out to him, Son of David, not Son of Solomon. So why, why is that? Why is that? Uh, I think it kind of has to do with what we just read in uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews. When you seek God, he rewards you. God is the rewarder of those who seek him. Uh, salvation. If you look at Psalm 3, verse 8, and I'm going to turn there too. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Psalm 18.2 You know, David knew that salvation was from God. I love the Lord, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. This is verse 1 of Psalm 18. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This, this is David, Psalm of David. He goes on. You can, you can read that. Uh, I'll just, if you're taking notes, Psalm 20, verse 5, 21, verse 1, 24, verse 5, 38, 22. I just quit after a few of these examples. Righteousness. Was David righteous or Solomon more righteous? And let's turn to 12, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 5, uh, verse 8. Let's start at verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Uh, actually, we could back up to 4.1. Psalm of David, answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. He knew God was his righteousness. He depended upon God. Uh, scripture says David was filled with the Holy Spirit from the time that Samuel anointed him with oil. Do we read about the Spirit in Solomon? All right. Uh, Christ defines David as, as being in the Spirit. You know, Matthew uh, 22, verse 41 you recall there was that conundrum. They were having an argument with the uh, Pharisees. And uh, so Christ wanted to put them off. It's like, you're asking me dumb questions. I don't want to answer these anymore. So uh, <clears throat> Matthew 22, this is verse 41. Well, if I could get there. Okay, now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question saying, 
What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, the son of David. Okay, they, that, they understood that one. That, no, no question there. But then Jesus asked them, he said to them, how is it that David, then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your, put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? They couldn't answer that one and they walked away. So uh, we have some Psalms that uh, Solomon wrote. I, we have a whole book from David. And actually, you know, they say he only wrote about a third of them, and I'm not sure I believe that, because if you look back in the scriptures, there's so many references that are almost verbatim from a psalm that's not titled by David. But then, and David's speaking in another part of scripture in uh, Chronicles uh, in Samuel. Seems like it, the thoughts came from him. The thoughts came from him. Okay. Uh, David sought after God. David worshiped God. Oh, you know, I left out something here. Let me, let me, let me find that one. When, when you read through the Psalms, What's, what's the other thing you notice David saying all the time? Last verse of, chat, of, of Psalm 23. What is it? Mm -hmm. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many times do you see that in Psalms? It's there. You know, David desired that house of the Lord forever. Now, I think he wrote that when he was younger. I think that might have been one of the earlier songs, you know, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. It could have been later. We kind of envision him as a young shepherd boy, and it seems appropriate that he might have wrote it then. Well, the, the question I have is, where was the temple then? Who built the temple? Solomon. There was no temple. But yet, <clears throat> you know, just a verse or two, uh, Samuel, I'm, I'm sorry, Eli, this kind of goes back to the beginning, which I've skipped. Uh, Eli, his two sons, Phinehas, Hophni, were priests in the temple. I believe it's 1 Samuel 1, 9. Uh, priests of the, of the temple. Well, that was the tabernacle, the tent that housed the uh, uh, ark, ark of the covenant. Yes. First Samuel one nine. Yeah, uh, the second part of that verse is now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. Well, when when David's grown up, when he's anointed, the temple of the Lord's a tent. So David's heart is still. I want to be in the temple worshiping God. And if I could find my notes, I, I had some other verses, some other scripture verses uh, on that. They're, they're evading me at the moment. But that was David's heart. 
to, to be with God. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You, you'll, I'll, you, you guys look it up. You know, you'll find them. Uh, okay. The whole lesson this morning, we're starting basically at the bottom end of Judges. You know, we kind of skipped through the book of Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, uh, 2nd Chronicles. I included Psalms. Uh, you, you know, there's some Psalms in there. And the whole picture, this is the review of everything, basically. I wanted to make sure we understood that Davidic covenant. <clears throat> Eli uh, had worthless sons. They ended up, all three of them got killed the same day. You, you know, the ark was captured. They fell in battle. Uh, not Eli wasn't in the battle. He was just an old man, fell off the seat he was on and, and died. Uh, Samuel is a young boy and God starts speaking to him. Now, Samuel wasn't a priest. Interesting thing about Samuel, he wasn't a Levi. Levite, the Levites were the priests, the sons of uh, Aaron. But he was there ad administering to Eli in the temple and... He, God spoke through him. The word of the Lord, I believe it's chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, yeah, 1 Samuel 3, 1, at the end of the time of the judges, the word of the Lord was rare and no frequent visions. And so here comes young Samuel, and the next thing, God's talking to him and telling him things. Uh, he told him about Eli and Hophni dying the same day, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Hophni and Phinehas dying the same day, and he repeated that to Eli and you have a situation where when Eli heard of the death, it so upset him, he fell off his chair, hit his head, it killed him. And Phineas's <coughs> wife was having a baby. <coughs> she died too, named him Ichabod right before she died. The glory has departed. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was captured by the Philistines. The glory has departed. So we got a real problem there. Part of that problem was Israel was looking for a king. And the first king that God gave them was Saul. <coughs> Excuse me. Saul turned out not to be a very good king. Initially, he was godly. Uh, filled with the Spirit, maybe, for a while. And, and then he, he disobeyed the word of the Lord. He, he didn't follow what Samuel said. Uh, you know, wait for me after battle. He didn't kill all the Amalekites. He didn't, he, he kept the spoil, told the soldiers, keep some of the spoil. And so Samuel went in and said, God's pulling, you know, he's, he's taking your kingdom away from you. And uh, he's giving it to somebody <clears throat> who, oh golly, let's look that one up too. That's first, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, First Samuel Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have that reference. God tore the kingdom from Saul and he gave it to somebody who was heart was after him uh, you, you know uh, Acts 15 
And let me see if I can find that reference. This is in the Council of Jerusalem. Uh, no, wrong reference. Well, James in the New Testament talks about rebuilding the, the tent of David that has fallen, uh, showing that God's covenant was, was still true. I'm sorry, I, I, I messed that one up. Uh, what's, what's the reference? Uh, David was a man after my own heart. Okay, well anyway, Israel's in trouble with Saul. God ended up replacing Saul with David. It's interesting that David was placed in the uh, palace with Saul, in the, you know, the house of Saul, to play music and to uh, uh, comfort Saul. He, he brought him to war with Goliath, made him a hero. Saul made David a commander. And, you know, through this, I think David was growing up and he was learning some of the procedures of being king, some of the, the good, he saw the good and the bad. And uh, that's how God prepared David to be king. In, in the meantime, when Saul got upset with David, he hurled the, hurled the spear at him. You remember these stories. Uh, David had to flee him. And what did he do? You know, first he went over to the Philistines, uh, you know, acted like a crazy man. And then he gathered a group of men with him, discontented uh, outcasts. And they formed the group of the mighty men of David. And they started raiding Canaan, Canaan uh, cities of Canaan and Philistine camps. And Saul would chase him every so often and try to capture him. And there were incidences, you know, David would go hide in a cave. And here comes Saul right behind him, uh, you know, not knowing where David was. And David would come out and, have, you know, holler him, hey, Saul, man, I could have just killed you. But he didn't. Why not? Because David referred to him always as the anointed of the Lord. David had been anointed, and he knew that God had anointed Saul also through Samuel. And again, that's just a little more proof of David's belief. Uh, all right. Well, we're running really short on time, and that's my fault because I ramble. Let's go to Psalm 72. But the, the throne of David is, is an eternal throne. It's hope for the world. Because God promised David, you, you know, you'll always have a man to sit on a throne. The fulfillment of that is Jesus Christ. We all know that. Uh, the house for David, that's been fulfilled. Now, I believe, well, I'll, I'll skip that part. Uh, but basically, you know, at the end of chapter uh, 7, 2 Samuel 7, uh, David's, it's, it's, he's in talking to God, you have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind. David knew it wasn't just for him and him having sons and him having, you know, a throne, a lineage. It was for all of us. 
And, and that's part of what differentiated David from Solomon. You know, David got it right. It, it, it's not only a hope for Israel, but it's a hope for the whole world. All right, now Psalm 72 is somewhat a uh, conclusion. The very start of this chapter, and I, I did leave it out because I knew I was going to run out of time, is a, a, a prayer of Hannah. Hannah was the mother of Samuel, and she was barren. Uh, Elkanah, Elkanah had, had two wives. Hannah was one of them, and she was barren. And so one time they had gone to the temple, to the tent that had the ark in Shiloh. And she's, you know, they had the feasts and offered the sacrifices. And she's praying, and Eli thought she was drunk. And when he finds out, no, she's praying to the Lord, uh, he, he said, go in peace. May God fulfill your, your prayers, basically. Now, she prayed a prayer. This is uh, 1 Samuel 2. And uh, I'm going to skip around verses 1 through 3. Uh, my heart rejoices in the Lord, and the Lord my horns lifted. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no holy one like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Okay, and uh, down to verse 4 and, and then 7. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumble are armed with strength. Uh, and then nine and uh, well, the, the Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. Verses nine and ten. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The most, <coughs> excuse me, the most high will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. There was no king in Israel then. And yet Hannah's praying for a king. And if you, if you look back, David has a prayer there that's uh, somewhat a parallel. Uh, it's in 2 Samuel. Uh, where is it? Well, you'll find it. The end of uh, uh, chapter 22, I think, 23 of 2 Samuel. Uh, David has a prayer. But anyway, let's go on to Psalm 72 because, oh, I'm way out of time. Uh, take Psalm 72 and study on it today, tonight, or this week. <laughs>